so it's really just better not have those things in your house at all. If someone gives you a gift with that, just get rid of the ribbon right away. Don't leave yes. it somewhere you think the cats won't go because we all know cats go wherever they want, just when we're not looking. Sorry for saying sorry media presents the Purr Podcast, the best podcast for feline medicine and surgery with tips, tricks, and updates for the entire veterinary healthcare team. If you're dying to know more about cats, keep on listening. Here are your hosts, Dr. Susan Little, famous cat vet and textbook author, and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein, talented surgeon and social media geek. Hello, this is Dr. Yola Kirpenstein, and we are back with the Purr Podcast with our special co-host, Dr. Kelly Saint-Denis. Hello, everyone. I'm doing great. Thanks, Yola. How are you? I am doing great, and I forgot to ask you the last time that we were on a call, how warm is it where you are? Uh, well, it's it was 14 degrees Celsius when we woke up this morning, so that's really warm. I'm sorry, I can't oh. conversion to Fahrenheit for our American friends, but it's a one it's four. Oh, well, that, that is three. like summertime. Yeah, it's cooler now, uh, but it's a little weird this time of year to have that warmer weather for sure. That is crazy. Yeah, so no wonder that all the pole caps are melting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it will be uh, Canada at the sea then, uh, you know, when the, the water is rising and that sort of things. But, wow, I didn't realize it was that warm. But, uh, yeah, it is, I'm in Atlanta right now, and it is really warm here, too. We are in the 60s, 70s, and that's Fahrenheit, of course, so that's in the 20s, yeah, 25 it was this morning, so it was really nice. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of crazy to think it's December. Yes. Yeah, it's, you know, we always hope for a white Christmas up here, but I don't know if we're going to get one. So when was the last time you had a white Christmas? You know, I, I honestly don't remember from year to year, but I think actually last year we did have snow at Christmas. It just, Ooh. I'm in the Southern Ontario, uh, which is fairly low, below the yeah. parallel. So we don't always get a very long white Christmas. Even if we get one, the snow melts fairly quickly afterwards. So. Yeah, so you're not uh, near the Arctic Shore. No, but I did grow up in northern Ontario, and it's usually much colder and definitely snow at this time of the year, and usually minus 40 Celsius, you know, when it's really Ooh. cold. So you can't breathe when you yeah. go outside. Your breath freezes. And Dr. Susan will know all about that, too, because she's from Ottawa, and they get a lot of snow there. I used to live there. I know, I know. I always, I always <laughs> tease her with that when we call yeah. around this time that she is just wrapped into, you know, all these layers to survive. <laughs> and uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Beautiful Canada. So um, so we were talking about the holidays and what the holidays could do for your cat. Mm -hmm. uh, last week, we discussed uh, that cats can be quite stressed because of all the changes that we have in the house. Uh, we talked about smells that can change. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the things that you can do in your space that we didn't talk about is put some uh, cat pheromones in there, some diffusers yeah. to make them feel a little better. Yeah. Uh, we forgot to mention that. Uh, we talked about plants, uh, talked about the amaryllis and lilies and other plants. We talked a little bit about food that they could you know, that cats could start eating things that they normally don't eat and then get mm -hmm. GI upset that is exacerbated by uh, being stressed again. Yeah. Uh, we talked about a little bit about toys but we, uh, or uh, ornaments that they can break. So I want to switch a little bit. Uh, what about candles and cats? 
Yeah, candles can be very exciting for cats, right? Because the flame is flickering and it, it looks exciting, especially for kittens, I guess, if they don't have a lot of experience with them. But obviously they can burn themselves on the flame, but then they also potentially will knock the candle over, burn themselves on the wax and, you know, potentially even start the house on fire. Which is yes, especially when it's close to the Christmas tree, I can yeah. imagine. And, they, and, and in the beginning, the Christmas trees are still pretty you know not dried up but when at the end i always remember that we used to have a christmas tree with real lights yeah um, so with candles in the christmas tree and obviously you want to keep the cat far away or uh -huh. the d word far away from that because if they jump in a christmas tree that is you know with candles it, it lights it up obviously but I also remember that we had to be really, really careful at the end of the season because the tree dries out and then it is so flammable. So you know? flammable, yeah. And that's one of the and, reasons I don't have a live tree in my home this year. It's just with the, mm -hmm. we have a kitten here. We talked a little bit about that at the on the last show. And yeah. she's been, I can't keep her out of the tree. So, although I did find a way uh, to slow her down, I went out and bought a different tree skirt that's very soft and comfortable. And so now she actually lays under the tree and is spending less time climbing up the tree. So that's good. <laughs> I can just see her come from the hallway, running up and then with four yeah. legs, just hang on the tree. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she's super crazy. Or she goes right up the middle. And I have this little tree in my office behind me and I was in a board meeting the other day and someone's like right in the middle of the board meeting, Kelly, Kelly, your kitten's in the tree. She was knocking the one behind me down. So yeah, they really enjoy it. And I'll tell you something else. I have two senior cats in this house who sleep in arthritic. They are on pain meds for arthritis. The kitten's locked in our bedroom at night. And when I come down in the morning, I can tell those cats have been in the tree because things are disturbed and I know it's not the kitten, right? So they're busted. <laughs> yeah, but I, 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 it makes sense. They like to climb. They like to go on the higher oh, elevations. Yeah. And this is the ideal thing There's to do. All it's exciting just exciting things hanging from it, right? That they can bat and then they roll around when they drop them on the floor. So, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, they, you know, it's, it's a multiple stairway to heaven, I would say. It's a tree yeah. like that. So I would do the same thing, even if I was an older cat. So, yeah. yeah so, so the candles. We have to be careful with the candles. I, I, I you know, can see the beautiful little ledge with the five little candles and the cat whacking those off, uh, starting your house fire. So you don't want to have that done. Yeah. Um, you can use those fake candles that yeah, don't, you know. That, and they're that, nice, that, right? Because they never burn out. You maybe have to replace the battery, but you don't have to worry yeah. about the wax and all that other stuff that goes on. So. Yes, so it's a cat-friendly alternative to uh, to to hot wax treatments, uh, but uh, yeah. So we we didn't talk about tinsel yet because I think that as a surgeon, that's always a a a surprising a surprising delight in a way because mm -hmm. there are interesting sur uh, surgeries for for surgeons to do, but it's it's very dangerous. Uh, any yeah. string object with the cat the when they play with them. Yeah, so they cause the linear forearm bodies, and uh, and that is, in a way, pretty dangerous. And I think tinsel is even more dangerous because it's relatively sharp. Yeah. And so when they get these in their intestinal uh, tract, and they get stuck, uh, then of course you get this uh, bunching up of the intestine. And these, the, I my experience with tinsel is that they cut straight through the bowel wall if you're too late. So uh, yeah. so I am. I'm a pretty strong advocate of not using tinsel when you have cats at yeah. all. 
Um, it's hard to find it now. I, I, I don't think you see it very much anymore, but there are still some people who have it. So yeah, if you have, have cats. And we use stencil all the time. I mean, it was just, that was the funnest part as kids that you yes. can throw that stuff up. Um, and, and you know what else not is only bad? Uh, gift ribbon for linear form bodies. Those are the most oh. linear form body surgeries I've done as a veterinarian have been on gift ribbon, that stuff that you, that's long and skinny and you use your scissors to make it curly. Oh, yes. Make the present oh. all pretty. And then mm -hmm. the next thing you know, the cat's eating it. So that's another bad one. And string on meat. So roasts, you know how- That's a really good point. String. Those taste delicious. Yeah. Yes. I mean, those are, you know, even more, even better to eat because they have a nice roast taste on them. Yeah, but it's, exactly. uh, yeah, yeah. Be really careful with them because, and, and, and then the other thing is the longer you wait, the more risky it is because, mm -hmm. you know, if, if, if you have a, if you have a thick string, I always explain, that's really difficult for, the bowel to cut itself on it, but so it's the thin strings that I'm always really worried yeah. about. Yeah. So if you have a cat and you take a radiograph and you see the characteristic bunching up, I don't wait with those cats. That's an immediate for me and I cut them open as soon as I can. Yeah. Always check under the tongue first before you mm. do anything because you don't wanna have in the surgery pull on it and then you find out that it's stuck somewhere. So I check under the tongue, see if it's not there. And if it's there, I just normally cut it. Uh, and then I cut the cats as soon as I can. If if you have an end, uh, if you have an endoscope, you can put an endoscope in there to see if it is past That's the bowel. But in, yeah, but in, most of the time when it, the bowels are bunched up, you know that it's in the bowel. And then endoscopy is not worth it. You need to go in and you need to or normally what I first do is cut the stomach first where the bunching is release it there and then you know you have to make a couple of uh, cuts into uh, the this the small bowel where it's it and you have to release it and remove uh, the the string but and it's hopefully, it's quite... hopefully you're not resect having to resect any intestine no 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 i always but, look yeah. at the bowel very very carefully and uh, often it's on the mesenteric side where mm -hmm. is where most of the damage is so we cut them at the anti-mesenteric side um, and then after I remove uh, the, the threads, I do a very, very um, secure and, and uh, how do you call it, specific um, exploratory. So I just want to check everything. Yeah. I check the whole bowel to see if there's nothing. And if I don't trust it, then of course you have to take a little piece of bowel out. So yeah. You, you can pull the bowel out as a matter of fact, it's up to 80% before the cat really gets uh, significant gastrointestinal problems uh, post-operatively. So normally we don't take that much. But you Hopefully we don't have to go there. <laughs> Great. No, no, yeah. Yeah. Pre the prevention is better than anything else. But you know what happens when you know it's busy and you're roasting this beautiful uh, piece of meat and then suddenly you're like, hmm, I thought there was a string attached to this and then yeah. it's gone and then yeah. your cat is there and then the cat next morning doesn't feel good, starts vomiting and then from and, one uh, thing to the other. I had a case a few years ago where the, they knew the cat was always eating that gift ribbon and someone had given them something with that ribbon on it and the man put it on top of the fridge where the cats couldn't get it and he went to have a shower and when he came out, the cat had eaten the ribbon. And I had to, I had to remove it. It got caught. <laughs> so it's really just better not have those things in your house at all. <laughs> if someone gives you a gift with that, just get rid of the ribbon right away. 
Don't leave yes. it somewhere you think the cats won't go because we all know cats go wherever they want, just when we're not looking. <laughs> and that's a and that's a very good point. So uh, so don't hide it for your cat. Just throw it out as soon as it. you can. And uh, and then uh, and uh, you know obviously when when you have needlework and that sort of things where you use strings for that, uh, you need to hide uh, hide it in a door in an area where the cat cannot reach it. It's it's crazy the stuff that they'll start to eat because even with my kitten I I have these I as you know I dance ballet and then we have these little wraparound skirts with have long string off of them and they're pretty thick uh -huh. and I heard her chewing on something the other night and I turned the light on and she had started chewing that. And she had already started swallowing this much of it. And because it was down her throat and it was still coming, she couldn't do anything about it. So I had to kind of gently pull it out, which I wouldn't recommend for caregivers to do necessarily, but uh -huh. she had already swallowed some of it. Um, they just, they're chewing on stuff and it's a linear thing and they start swallowing it. And the next thing you know, it's the whole thing swallowed. Yes, yes, it's, it's quite dangerous, quite dangerous. Um, what do you think of people dressing up their cats for, I, I, for holidays? I really, it's so it's uh, it's cute, but it's really not ideal in my opinion. I think it's stressful to the cats. I mean, maybe if when they're kittens, it's something that you do during their socialization period where you get them used to wearing sweaters, just like we do with kittens with collars or harnesses when we're training them to go outside. I think you and I have talked about that stuff before. Mm -hmm. If they're used to it and train from the time that they're really young that might be okay and you see a lot of people doing that with their adult cats or their you know year old kittens that have no experience with that at all and I know my daughter sometimes will put a sweater on her one cat and the cat just falls over <laughs> like she's broken she doesn't like it so uh it's really not ideal for them uh, it's it so funny because it reminds me of that cat that I had we did this thoracic surgery on that cat and we put a bandage on around yeah. the chest and the cat, I, I kid you not, was laying on his back with his legs stretched out mm -hmm. as if it was dying, you know? Yeah. And, and we're like, you know, maybe he's in pain. So we gave him a little bit more pain medication, but the cat was like stretched <laughs> out like with four legs in the air. And I was like, what is going on? And I thought, hmm, maybe I'll take the bandage off. We took the bandage off and it was completely normal. That was fun. <laughs> I've been seeing that a lot. So I've been working in other clinics since I, I don't have my clinic anymore. And I have been uh, in some clinics where they send home onesies for patients that have had a spay or a surgery, abdominal surgery to wear. Yeah. And I, I just, because I, they're worried the cat's going to bother with their incision. Um, in the first place, cats don't seem to bother with their incision as much as dogs do. Um, but I do think, again, it's that same thing. You're putting something on the cat that the cat doesn't like. So you're really probably stressing them out more than anything. Um, and if you're using good analgesia and local blocks for your surgery, I don't think you should need that. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. And, and good suture techniques. So your sutures are not too tight because that's the main reason why cats and the D's take uh, take them out. So uh, yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's interesting to to see that all these things can happen. And it's of course really nice to have um, your cat dressed up for Christmas and take pictures of it, but you might stress out these cats even more than they already are. So what about if people want to bring their cats with them? So yeah. travel with their cats. Yeah, that's, that's another one, right? So uh, I actually had a few people ask me questions about that in that seminar I did the other night. You know, people are taking their cats to their, they're going to visit their mom or something, or someone's coming to their house and bringing their cat or dog. And, and that can be really stressful. 
you know, and I, I really said, if you, if you can't have someone to come and stay in the house with your cat or you find a place to board your cat and you're taking them, then you probably want to keep that cat in the space you're in. So if you have a designated bedroom in that home where you're going to visit, then that should be your cat's safe space to stay, especially if those people have pets, um, because they're not necessarily going to know each other. I've had clients in the past who have had, say their mother has one of the litter mates and they have a litter mate and they think, oh, it's great. You know, she's going home to see her sister, but cats don't really have that sibling love. Uh, and so it's still stressful for them to be in another cat's home, another cat's territory. And there's going to be potential fights. There's potential for illness. If there's infectious disease like fleas or intestinal parasites that one has, they can transmit it to the other. So that it's, it can be fraught with a lot of issues. So generally speaking, I would recommend against it. But if you can't mm -hmm. avoid it, you might want to keep the cat confined to its space. Yeah, some cats are pretty used to it. Well, yeah. I also refer to Doug, the cat who travels everywhere. Yeah. And so he seems pretty relaxed. She's, uh, she, yeah, she's chill. <laughs> yeah, and or she. And, and uh, but I can imagine if you, if your cat doesn't like to go to the vet, it definitely doesn't like to go to strangers in a mm. stranger's house being stuffed into a crate that they don't want to be in, et cetera, et cetera. So it will add to the, to the stress level. Um, anything else with the holidays that we shouldn't be doing? Yeah, I think, again, uh, I was thinking when you were talking about that, Yola, about how when, if people are coming to your home, so if you have a spare room, for example, a spare bedroom that your cats normally hang out in, you may even have an extra cat litter in there. And then you have someone coming over to stay, Again, you're disrupting that disrupting that environment, right? So the cats may not be able to get in there to sleep. They may not be able to use their litter box if it's in there. Uh, and so just like we were talking about in the last show, you know, the, the caregiver really has to think about what they're disrupting for that cat and provide alternatives. And then again, if people are coming with their pets, uh, for example, my sister's coming to visit next week with her dogs. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have to really think about of that all one. things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, the dogs are pretty good because they live with cats and they know cats, but they also can sometimes chase cats. And I have a new kitten they've never met before. So, you know, you kind of have to plan ahead if that is something that's happening and it's all planned out and it can't be any other way, that's fine. But I think you have to consider what could happen, what could go wrong and how can you sort of circumvent that or prevent it from happening. And again, if that room that the people that are staying in is taken up and they can't use their usual space, then again, you have to provide them with an alternative, whether you put a litter box somewhere else close to that room, say if there was a litter in there, because the last thing you want too is them house soiling because they can't get to a litter box. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That makes mm -hmm. a lot of sense. Um, mm -hmm. Let's see if there's anything else. Uh, oh yeah, what about cat as a present? Oh. <laughs> Well, I would say that's, we, I think we generally get that just across uh, everywhere is that it's really not a great idea unless someone has specifically requested and wants a cat and is planning for a cat because it is a lifelong uh, 20 year commitment. Hopefully it's 20, 20, 20 years or more commitment, right? Um, so if you're giving any kind of pet like that as a present, then you are definitely um, putting a, a potential burden on that person that they may not be expecting both financially and time and emotionally. And I know I've, I've seen some videos of people who gave their family member a kitten because they had lost their older cat. And that's not always a good idea either because people may not be done grieving from the loss. 
And it's really up to that person to decide when they're ready, I think, to, to get another cat, if they ever do, right? Because sometimes people never do. If the grieving is so significant for them, that, that loss. So yeah. Yeah, I would say it's probably not a great idea. So the last question I have for you, because we're almost at time, is, is there anything we can use to deter cats from, so you have this beautiful night, activity scene and you have it all set up and that sort of things and every day you go to bed and the next morning there's this slaughterhouse of all the little puppets are everywhere because cat thought okay this is a fun thing to play with anything that you can do to prevent that i think if uh you can try to provide some unique toys that they maybe haven't played with before and feeding puzzles that you maybe put out overnight or if you have uh, puzzle feeders or something else that you can put out that they can use, it might distract them. But I think ultimately, if you can't distract them, then it might be just the best idea to put that thing away for that year. And maybe that's not ideal. It's usually younger cats that are going to get into that kind of trouble. Yeah. Uh, but I guess some older cats too, too. So sometimes you yeah, just so can't. On the internet, you can read quite a lot of you know, things that you can spray on things. I'm normally not a big fan of that. I mean, no. to sp spray stuff on your Christmas tree and on your, just to deter an animal for getting in there. Mm -hmm. Well, and I know I work in my living room a lot. And so I have a little bin of cat toys, balls and things that make good noises that I have sitting beside me. And every time I hear or see the cat going near the Christmas tree, again, we're back to the kitten. I will grab one of these things and throw it across the room and it works for about five minutes and then she's back. Yes. I mean, they have this focus. Yeah. That's oh, Christmas tree. They're, yeah. they're like, okay. All right. So uh, last question uh, is, uh, tell me about um, the funnest patient you've seen in the last two weeks. And well, what I, was it? I saw the greatest cat. He was a kitten. Uh, just on Thursday, and he was the friendliest cat. Um, he was climbing up and headbutting me and knocking my glasses off. He was just so excited Aww. to see us, the technician and myself. Um, but unfortunately, of course, he was in a strange element. And so he wasn't really keen on being held still. So we had to really work with him with food and head rubs and all kinds of other distractions to give him his needles. But otherwise, he was like super friendly. And when I was done giving him his needles, he was my best friend again. Very friendly cat. So, so he came for vaccinations then. Uh, yeah, yeah, he was there for his boosters. Holiday vaccinations mm -hmm. can can be better than that. Yeah. And uh, yes, <laughs> but that that that's awesome. Yeah. So great. I think we're at time. Thank you so much for uh, for indulging us with uh, holiday cheer and uh, what we can do to make it a safer space for cats. Uh, I know, I, it, sorry. Oh, it's one of my favorite topics. So <laughs> cats safe at home. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, I love this. I, I love the holidays. It's, it's, it's one of my favorite times. And then, um, you know, we, we need to take care of the, the animals that are around us too. Mm -hmm. and, and so often we're very distracted. And so it's good to to have a couple of these tips that you gave uh, uh, by the hand to be able to uh, to distract the cat from doing things that you don't want them to do. And yeah. so that, that that's really good. Uh, so thank you so much, uh, Dr. Kelly, for being on. Um, yeah. Also for you, happy holidays. Uh, you. I hope you have a wonderful uh, 
new year, beginning of the new year. It's, uh, it's uh, I think, going exciting year. I hope the pandemic will uh, slow down a little bit and all the craziness will stop for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I wish everybody a healthy new year and, and happy holidays again. Uh, this is the Per Podcast. You can find us at perpodcast.net. This time I said it right. And uh, with the handle at Per Podcast. The new thing is that we also have a Patreon account. If you want to be part of the Per Podcast family, you can do that. We have some nice Trotskys to give and uh, you can see great videos like this one. Uh, and uh, I really appreciate Dr. Kelly, you being on. Oh, and I I, thank you. <laughs> looking forward to see everybody in the new year. So thank you so much. Happy new year, everyone. Dr. Susan Little is a feline medicine specialist with two cat-only hospitals in Ottawa, Canada. She is best known as an international speaker and as the author and editor of two textbooks, The Cat, Clinical Medicine and Management, and August, Consultations in Feline Internal Medicine. Along with three cats, she also admits to owning two dogs, and you can follow her on social media with the handle at CatPetSusan. Dr. Yurla Kirpenstein is a diplomat of the American and European College of Veterinary Surgeons and a big cat fan. His specialties range from surgical oncology and reconstruction to minimally invasive surgery. He is the author of two textbooks on basic and reconstructive surgery. Did you know he was allergic to cats? Yola works currently at Hills Pet Nutrition. You can follow him on social media with the handle at GVETSX. This episode is made possible by the generous sponsorship of the Take the Pledge Against Struvites in Pets Facebook page. Did you know there are three easy steps to treat bladder stones in cats with lower urinary tract signs? Step one is to take a radiograph, and if there is a stone present in the bladder, step two is to use the Minnesota Urolith app for iPhone and Android to determine the most likely type of stone. Step three is to treat the cat for at least two to three weeks with an appropriate diet and see if the stone gets smaller. If so, keep feeding that diet until the stone is completely gone on follow-up radiographs. If not, check compliance with the owner and look for alternative treatment options. Join veterinarians worldwide to take the pledge not to remove struvite stones by surgery anymore. The opinions of this podcast are those by Dr. Susan Little and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein. Veterinary medicine is a complex profession, and often there are multiple diagnostic and therapeutic options for different disease processes. If you're a pet owner with questions, please go to your local veterinarian. If you're a veterinary professional, ask your questions on our Instagram page at per podcast.